All right, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 this morning. If you were a betting person, I bet you you probably would have uh, said, hey, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 this morning. Maybe Luke chapter 2. But Luke chapter 1, you know, it's always a challenge whenever it comes to an opportunity to talk about the nativity account and what's going on uh, in God's Word at this very special time in history. Something different always hits me each year, and I finally have the opportunity to share with us. You know, we're, we're celebrating in song here today, right? There's song, and there's a play, and there's all sorts of things. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Mary's, what's come to, been, come to known as Mary's Magnificat, meaning it's Mary's song. It's a song that Mary sang. She was so moved that she started speaking in poetry. It doesn't say that she sang. Uh, It just says she said here in Luke chapter 1. But it's poetry. I don't speak in poetry unless there's a song attached to it. So we're going to look at that. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing exactly what we learned about in the stories of a Savior. We went back to creation. And then where do we go next? We saw the story of Adam and Eve. And then we went forward in history and Noah. And in all of these instances, all through history, the narrative of God's word took a step forward and continued to point in one direction until we get to the apex of all of life, all of creation, all of the historical timeline that will ever be. And it was invested in one single soul. Do you know who that was? Jesus Christ. All of Scripture points us to the living Word of God, of Jesus Christ. And so now today we have not just a babe in a manger, but we have a living Savior who took on flesh and He lived a perfect, holy, righteous life in my stead. And He offered Himself as a gift as a, for uh, as a penalty, paying the penalty of my sin, he offered himself freely, and he's offered me, and he offers you a gift. He offers us the gift of eternal life, of salvation, where he paid the penalty of all our sins. And all we must do to come into fellowship with God is we put our faith and trust. We believe that Jesus Christ not only was born, but he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. If you've put your faith and trust in those, in that alone, God says you are his child. You have life. You are forgiven. You were redeemed. You are of Christ. And at that moment, each of us has a story to tell. We have the story of him in our lives, bringing us to salvation but bringing up Pastor Kern's joke from last week of the three wise men with, with the gold frankincense. and But wait, there's myrrh. There's myrrh to the story. There is more to life than just forgiveness in Christ. God wants to write his story. He wants to write Christ's life, and he wants that worked out in your life so you are a magnificent testimony to the world. And so we are all in the midst of God writing a story in our lives. We can think a little bit more, you know, A to B, maybe a little bit more linear about this. 
on the way, I mean, this is a Sunday morning. It's a special Sunday, but it's a Sunday morning. And if you have a kid here in the room right now, Sunday mornings are notorious for it's hard to get out the door, uh, outfit changes, wardrobe malfunctions, bad attitudes, I can't find my keys, have you seen my Bible? (laughs) That was all just me today. All these things, we're in the midst of a little story like that. But our lives are also in in the midst of a bigger story as well. Maybe, and if I'm honest, I'll speak a bit boldly, I won't just say maybe, I'll say we are. We're all in the midst of a story, and there are things in our story, the things that are going on in our circumstances at this very moment, that when we're honest, we don't like. Things that are hard, things that are unexpected, things that if we were in charge of the story, we would erase it out. We would have never put it in there in the beginning. And what I want us to see from God's word this morning is that we're not alone in those feelings. When we look at the nativity story of of the innkeeper, of Mary, of Joseph, there were so many things that happened that certainly this young teenage woman who was betrothed yet not fully married, they had other plans. They had a story written which was not the story that God gave them. And that's what's hard for you and me, is that we continually find ourselves in the midst of a story that we wouldn't write, yet He is writing it through us in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the hurt, the chaos, the pain, in the midst of, I can't find my Bible. In all of that, He is telling the story. So if you have your Bibles, look with me in Luke chapter 1, and let's read this song of Mary that she gives us. Luke chapter 1, and we'll read 46 through 56. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down their mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. She finishes her song, and we see a demonstration of her faithful obedience, doing something that was never in her plans, because verse 56 tells us, And Mary remained with her, that's Elizabeth, her cousin. She remained there about three months, and then she finally returned home. Two quick things I want to talk about this morning. The first thing, when it comes to our story, God's ways are not your ways. That's a Captain Obvious statement, isn't it? 
We see this truth in passage after passage after passage of Scripture. Yet the truth comes out in glaring form whenever we enter the nativity story. And we see how God is doing something that mankind would have never dreamt in a million years. They would have never come up with a story like this. And so I want us to walk away with the encouragement and the reminder, the ever-needed reminder, that God's ways are not my ways. A couple things I want to point out in that. And, and one of the first ideas that's really stuck out to me in this, and this is what makes it hard in recognizing that God's ways are not my ways, is found in verse 51. Would you look at that with me? One of the things Mary's singing about, she goes, He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. One of the things we need to talk about that makes this so much harder is pride. Pride is always, always going to get in the way. And here's the thing. Mary's about to go into, continue her song, and she's going to give a value system of God. She's going to descri- describe God's economy that defies your logic, your reason, in my understanding, it just completely goes against it. Verse 52, she's gonna, uh, she sings about the mighty. Well, what did God do to the mighty? He pulled them down in their place. What did he put in there? The lowly. He exalted the lowly. Well, that's not what I would come up with. That's not what I would do. Yet God's value system flips it on its head because that's, as we'll see, that's who God is. He's not us. His ways are not our ways. So we have this upside down mighty versus lowly. Look at verse um, 53. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich who have everything, what are they doing? They're walking away empty-handed. This is God's value system. It's radically different than our own. Now, something I want to point out is Mary's, Mary's talking about all of this, and there is a real national perspective that she's talking about. Mary was of the nation Israel, right? She was, she was of God's chosen nation, and so she's looking, and, and who's in her womb? Messiah, the one that was promised. God's moving. He's the Savior. He's, he's going to come and he's going to deliver. And she's looking at all that. And there is a national perspective. How do I know that? Well, she tells us in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel and remember, in remembrance of his mercy. She's actually talking about, you know what? This lowly nation, the nation of Israel, right now in the midst of when she's singing the song, Israel's not in control. Who is? The big bad Romans, and they meant business, and they were rough, and they were, they, they were scary people. They were, their rulers were, were terrible. And so uh, the nation of Israel, they were lowly, but yet there's Messiah right in her, and he's, he's, he's coming up. He's going to be uh, you know, delivering them from all of that. And so there's this, you could take all of those components that she just sang about, of the lowly, the humble, the rich, all that, and we see this is the big picture, that's the big story that God was writing for the nation of Israel. He was fulfilling all of his word, but every nation is made up of people. 
every large group of people, every nation is made up of individuals. And so I want to look for a moment, and, and that's, this is where it gets to meddling, I'm sorry, but this is where it gets kind of challenging for us. Whenever we get this and we take this pride, it's, it's not just the pride of the world, the pride of them, it's the pride of me that I have a challenge with. And you know, God said, or Mary said in verse 51, that God has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Whenever I take this kind of pride, and I don't talk about them, I talk about me and the pride I have, you, you see that, remember that whole idea that I said about that there's a story that I'm in? And the reason that it hurts so much is because I have a mental, there's like a movie playing in my heart and mind of what it looks like. I'm 50 pounds lighter, ripped, muscular, rich, all of these things, all going on in my mind. That's the story that I write in my head. Maybe we could frame it this way. That's the imagination of my heart. That this is what I want my life to look like. This is what I want my circumstances to look like. And yet we come into a passage like this and we can walk away with a generalized principle where God says, no, he has scattered. He has scattered the proud in those very imaginations. You know that idea of scattering has the idea of, of dispersing something. It also has the idea of squandering it. Do you guys remember the prodigal son, the, the account of that? Pastor Kern was there recently in a sermon. That prodigal son, he was given his inheritance, and what did he do? He blew it, right? He just, he, he made use of it. He used it all up. That he squandered it, same word, all right? He, and our pride is just squandered. I picture it this way, you know, because it has like the picture of like dispersing it out. Have you ever made a homemade pizza before? You're, you make that ball of dough. From that little ball of dough, you turn it into a, a pizza pie, right? What do you do with that? You have to knead it out and you work it out. It's fun for the first 30 seconds, and then I get beyond that. And maybe I work a little bit and I spread it too far out. And have you ever gotten a hole that pops up right in the middle of that pizza crust? That's the idea of just being scattered. It's so spread out. And at that point, when that pizza crust just rips, it's unusable. We can't do anything with it anymore. But not me. The imagination of my heart says, the imagination of my heart says, you know what? I got this. I can do it. And I go ahead and I make a pizza anyway. And you know what I have at the very end of all of that? A sticky, ooey, gooey mess. And then the oven needs to be cleaned after all of that. It just goes downhill from there. God scatters the proud. And we recognize that in our story, God has to deal with our pride. He has to get rid of it. And we have to be brought beyond ourselves so that he can work in that. So I am challenged by this passage that whenever I'm going through a chapter of my story, I mean, Let's be real. I'm in a season of my life that it's not a chapter. This is a whole volume. It's a whole edition. It's its own book that we're going on. And I don't want it to be that way. But God challenges me in that. 
that he scatters that and, and, and breaks the pride of the imagination of my heart where I recognize and I remember God's ways are not my ways, and we see that time and time again in the nativity. Something else that stands out in the passage here is there's a little bit of a refrain, meaning there's not a whole lot of repetition in this passage, but one word is repeated twice. Did you catch it in there? Look with me in verse 50. Mary's singing, uh, not, uh, she's singing about the great things that God has done. The shift is on God himself. And she says, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And so what I want us to see here is that focus on God's mercy and drawing us out of the circumstances of our story, out of the challenges, and lifting our eyes up to the God who is. He is the God of mercy. He is the Father of all comfort. Mary focused not on the challenge of the circumstances. It was many. But she did see through it all the God who is. And in this sense, it's mercy is the idea that's brought out. She creates a mercy sandwich for us in there. She begins it and she ends with that. What I want us to do is, is remember, this is just uh, for you. You can see on the screen here, Christopher, if you don't mind bringing it up, to Psalm chapter 57. And I wish we had time to go through the whole thing. We don't. But here the psalmist says, be merciful to me, invoking this very idea, this attribute of God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. Is there another one there? I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Selah. All right. We'll just end at the, at the Selah component of that. I wish we had a time to go to this whole verse because the thing, if you were to look at Psalm 57, it's um, mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. There's also singing in Psalm 57. He's struggling, and he's really struggling, and he keeps shifting his gaze to the mercy and the identity of God. And that's important. There's about 11 verses in that chapter, and all of them. And, and in, that, in the context, David's struggling. David is being attacked. David is being oppressed. His story is not the story that he wanted. And only two verses in that entire chapter have David focusing on what his circumstances are. Do you know what every single verse uh, other than that in that chapter, what it does? David fixes his gaze off of his circumstances and onto his Lord, onto a merciful God. And there's a challenge for us all. There's conviction for me that when the imaginations of my heart are not coming out, they're, when they're just that, they're imaginations, would I lift my eyes off of what I'm seeing, off of the imagination, to who God is, he, who he really is, his character, his identity, as outlined here, his mercy? Would we cast our soul, just like the psalmist, on his mercy? So thing number one, God's ways are not your ways. 
we see that, saw that acted out through pride and in contrast to that, God's mercy. Secondly, it's simple. In humility, we must respond in faith. That's what we see with Mary. She responded in faith to that. If you're in Luke chapter 1, Oh, uh, really quickly in our adult Sunday school class. We'd, we brought this out a week or so ago. Verse 38, uh, the angel's appearing to her and he's talking. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. She received the plans of God. She received his way. So she received it. Later on, we know that she did more than just receive and say, All right, whatever, Lord, I got it. She believed it. She believed it. How do we know? Well, right before this song that Mary sang, Elizabeth, she went and she saw her cousin. And remember the whole exchange, the babies, they were jumping up and down. John in Elizabeth's tummy was kicking all around when, when, when John in Elizabeth's stomach heard the voice of Mary because Mary was carrying the very Son of God, Messiah. And Elizabeth responded to this whole interaction Elizabeth says this about Mary in verse 45. Blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. She received from the Lord. She believed it. And last but not least, she praised his ways. She didn't understand them. She was a lowly teenager. But she praised him for it. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. Do you know what it means to magnify something? It means to make great, to make it bigger. That which was in Mary, that which, when somebody thinks, hey, who's Mary? When we think about, hey, who's Justin? Who's this? That the totality of that person, their soul, that which was within her made God great. Even when she wasn't understanding it, she magnified the Lord. Put up on the screen here for you a quick cross-reference to the book of Proverbs. <clears throat> Proverbs 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. I love this picture. That spirit, that part which is within us, the Lord has the opportunity to shine himself out to the world. And that's exactly what Mary was doing. She magnified the Lord. She made him bigger. She shined him through her more. And that's part of the story that we have the opportunity to write. So her soul magnified the Lord. And then lastly, her spirit in verse 47, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Did you know that this rejoicing is not your standard run-of-the-mill Sunday morning, Philippians 4, 4, rejoicing? It's not the same thing. This is special rejoicing. In fact, if you were to look at the kind of the origins of the word, we have the idea of very much and jump, leap. Very much jump, leap. That's what our soul did. It was used in the sense when someone was so glad they jumped in celebration. And why? Because of her Savior. That's a different kind of rejoicing 
than I tend to live out. And my, I have a hard enough time doing Philippians 4, 4 rejoicing. This kind of rejoicing, this is experiential joy. This is living joy that only God can bring into our story. How do we allow God to bring these things into our story? Well, just like Mary, we have to receive. We have to have open arms, which is figurative of an open heart, to receive the things that the Lord has for us. As we receive it, we simply need to believe it, trust in it. As surely as I trust this floor beneath me to not give out and to uphold me on this platform this morning, we must have that same resolute trust that God will be who he said he will be. He will be the God of mercy and that he will do the things that he has promised us in his word. God's ways are not our ways and we must respond to him in faith. This is how his story becomes your story. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for our time together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for just the testimony of Mary and this song. Father, this whole idea of, of what you do with our pride. Lord, I know you've had to deal with me with, with my pride of, of just wanting things my way and, and not accepting your way. And Lord, I'm not all the way there still. There's still areas of my heart, of my life, of the story that I'm in, Lord, where I still need to seek you and to receive the things that you have for me. And for, Father, if that's true of my life, I am certain that that is true of my brothers and sisters as well. So Lord, I lift up all that are listening at this moment, all that are in attendance here, my church family, my brothers and sisters. Father, would you help every single one of us to see the story that you're writing. Father, deal with the pride that's in our heart that we would humbly receive your merciful grace in our life. And might the life of Christ be the very story that you were telling in each of our hearts. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this family, this special service, this program, all the hands that went into it. Lord, we praise you for what you're doing here at Falls Bible Church. Might you be magnified. It's in the name of Christ we pray.